Welcome to the Staying Connected podcast, the preaching ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in Montrose, Colorado. I am Pastor Roland Kennison, and I want to thank you for listening. Christmas is a special time of year for most people, but it's an especially poignant time for the church. The theme of today's sermon focuses on the first coming of Christ that we celebrate every Christmas. I pray you'll be encouraged by its message. Now, let's begin our time today. Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, 3, about his rejection, talking about Jesus, it says he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hid their face, he was despised. And look what it says, and we did not esteem him. But in spite of that rejection, in spite of us saying, I don't need Jesus, it says in Isaiah, in the very next verse, Isaiah 53, 4, it says, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through For our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. That is the gift. That is the gift. The manger says that he was rejected. And even though he was rejected, he has still taken our sin. And he has taken our rebellion. And he took our punishment so that we had the opportunity to be spiritually healed. Isn't that good? That is good news. The manger shows that he was rejected. And we see, as we read that story, that there was no room for him in the inn. There was no room... In the end, the people, you know, people read this story and they see the innkeeper differently. Some see him as a harsh man who turns out a couple who really need a room. I mean, what kind of man, when this lady is standing there saying, I am in labor, can I have a room, says, no, go to the barn. You know, that's one way that people see him. Some people say, here's this guy who says, I got no rooms, but if you want to have a baby in my barn, you're welcome to. You know, I I don't know what kind of guy he was. We don't have much information. But here's what we know. In the end, there was room for uh, pleasure. There was room for comfort. There was room for people. There was friends and family in the end. But in the end, there was no room for Jesus. They couldn't. Have him there. And we can make the parallel today that says the world still rejects him today. They will accept, our our world accepts a great many other things. In fact, they will accept anything except Jesus Christ. The gift of forgiveness through Jesus, is held out to us. And it's a free gift. You can't earn it. 
You can't work for it. You can't be good enough. You can't come to church enough. You can't read your Bible enough. It is simply given to you like the gifts you are going to give to someone tomorrow. The gift is just held out saying, do you want this gift? And if you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, we read that it says that God loved the world so much that if If anyone believes in Jesus Christ, they will not perish but have eternal life. And then we read in John 3, 17, that God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. If you have rejected Christ over and over before today, he is still there waiting for you to accept the free gift of forgiveness. He is offering it to you. You need to simply transfer your trust to him. The manger shows us that Jesus was rejected, but the manger also perfectly pictures his reachability. The first announcement that Jesus Christ, that God in the flesh had shown up, was not to any king. It was not to religious rulers. It was not to the rich. It was not to the elite. It was to the the shepherds, okay? And in biblical times, the shepherds were the lowest of the low. And the angel says, we want them to know that Christ had come. You know who feels real comfortable in barns and around feeding troughs? shepherds (laughs) right they know what that's like they could come easily into a barn they were comfortable with the smells that they would encounter there but they would not have been comfortable walking into a mansion they would have felt like i don't belong here i can't come here i don't want to go to a mansion so jesus chose Get this, the king of creation chose to be born in a barn, wrapped in rags, laid in a feeding trough to show that he is reachable by anyone. Anyone can come to him. So we must be careful not to restrict and complicate the message of the gospel. He receives all who come to him. It says in John, 3, John 6, 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. He made it so that everyone could come to him. Not everyone can go to a mansion, but everyone can come to a manger. The gospel meets us where we're at. That's that's the verse that I I alluded to, but here it is in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that, that give, the only begotten son, it's, it's this birth process. And then it's the life of Christ and it's him being nailed to the cross and being buried and then risen again. He gave Christ to us so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The birth of Jesus means that Jesus 
is readily acceptable. He is right here ready. I want to I read a, a passage from a book to you tonight that speaks of that. It takes this Bible story and brings it down kind of to, to earth, and, and we really get to hear what Christ is like. It's a long passage, so maybe, you, you know, if you I want to close your eyes and just imagine, or if you want to um, just listen well, but keep, you know, keep your attention, but it's in this book called Intimate Moments with the Savior by a man by the name of Ken Geyer. And he talks about an intimate moment with Joseph and Mary. But listen here if you can sense the love of God who gave his son. Here's how this passage starts. For the census, the royal family has to travel 85 miles. Joseph walks while Mary, nine months pregnant, rides side saddle on a donkey feeling every jolt, every rut, every rock in the road. By the time they arrive, the small hamlet of Bethlehem is swollen from an influx of travelers. The inn is packed. People feel lucky if they're able to negotiate even a small space on the floor. Now it's late. Everyone is asleep, and there is no room. But fortunately, the innkeeper is not all shekels and mites. True, his stable is crowded with his guests' animals, but if they could squeeze out a little privacy there, they were welcome to it. Joseph looks over at Mary, whose attention is concentrated on fighting a contraction. We'll take it, he tells the innkeeper without hesitation. The night is still when Joseph creaks open the stable door, and as he does, a chorus of barn animals makes a discordant note of the intrusion. The stench is pungent and humid, as there have not been enough hours in the day to tend to the guests, let alone the livestock. A small oil lamp lent them by the innkeeper flickers to dance shadows on the wall. A disquieting place for a woman in the throes of childbirth, far from home, Far from family, far from what she expected from her firstborn. But Mary makes no complaint. It is a relief just to finally get off the donkey. She leans back against the wall, her feet swollen, back aching, contractions growing stronger and closer together. Joseph's eyes dart around the stable. Not a minute to lose. Quickly, a feeding trough would have to make do for a crib. Hay would serve as a mattress. Blankets, blankets. Ah, his robe, that would do. And those rags hung out to dry, that would help. A gripping contraction doubles Mary over and sends him racing for a bucket of water. Birth would not be easy, either for the mother or the child. For every royal privilege for this son ended at conception. Excuse me. A scream from Mary knifes through the calm of that silent night. Joseph returns breathless, water sloshing from the wooden bucket. 
The top of the baby's head has already pushed its way into the world. Sweat pours from Mary's contorted face. As Joseph, the most unlikely midwife in all Judea, rushes to her side. Involuntary contractions are not enough. And Mary has to push with all her strength, almost as if God were refusing to come into the world without her help. Joseph places a garment beneath her, and with a final push and a long sigh, her labor is over. The Messiah has arrived. Elongated head from the constricting journey through the birth canal. Light skin, as the pigment would take days or even weeks to surface. Mucus in his ears and nostril, wet and slippery from the amniotic fluid. The son of the Most High God, umbilically tied to a lowly Jewish girl. The baby chokes and coughs, and Joseph instinctively turns him over and clears his throat. Then he cries. Mary bears her breasts and reaches for the shivering baby. She lays him on her chest, and his helpless cries subside. His tiny head bobs around on the unfamiliar terrain. This will be the first thing the infant king learns. Mary can feel his racing heartbeat as he gropes to nurse. Deity nursing from a young maiden's breast. Could there be? It could anything be more puzzling or more profound? Joseph sits exhausted, silent, full of wonder. The baby finishes and sighs, the divine word reduced to a few unintelligible sounds. And then, for the first time, his eyes fix on his mother's, deity straining to focus, the light of the world squinting. Tears pool in her eyes. She touches his tiny hand, and the hands that once sculpted mountain ranges clings to her finger. She looks up at Joseph, and through a watery veil their souls touch. He crowds closer cheek to cheek with his betrothed. Together they stare in awe at the baby Jesus, whose heavy eyelids begin to close. It has been a long journey. <clears throat> It's been a long journey. The king is tired. And so, with barely a ripple of notice, God stepped into the warm lake of humanity without protocol and without pretension. Where you would have expected angels, there were only flies. Where you have, would have expected heads of state, there were only donkeys and a few haltered cows, and a nervous ball of sheep, a tethered camel, and a furtive scurry of curious barn mice. Except for Joseph, there was no one to share Mary's pain or her joy. Yes, there were angels announcing the Savior's arrival, but only to a band of blue-collar shepherds. And yes, a magnificent star shone in the sky to mark this birthplace, but only three foreigners bothered to look up and follow it. Thus, in the little town of Bethlehem, that one silent night, the royal birth of God's Son tiptoed quietly by as the world slept. You know, that 
always speaks to me. I want to share it with you guys and then hate doing it because it's, it, it moves me. And I pray it moves you not just to be emotional, but to understand the sacrifice God made for you and for me. The birth means that Jesus is readily accessible. The manger says that Jesus can be reached. It teaches us that many reject him. And before you begin your Christmas celebrations, before you spend time with family and friends, perhaps you need to say, okay, today is the day I'm going to give my life over to the, to the one who gave all for me. And contemplate your relationship with Christ and turn your life back over to him. Have you rejected him? The time is right, right now, to change that. Praise God that he made our Savior reachable. Someone that we can go to. When Christ came, when, when we come to Christ, we begin to walk in the light. John says in 8.12, Jesus said in John 8.12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We've been lighting this Advent candle for the last four weeks like we talked about. And those candles symbolize hope and peace and love and, and uh, oh, the other one that I can't remember now, but they, they symbolize these things. But the center one symbolizes Christ. It's white because it shows Christ was sinless. It's the center because Christ should be in the center of life. And the scripture says that he is the light of the world. So we live in a dark world. And go ahead, Gary. We live in this dark world where there is... There's not much light that's out there. And Christ says, if you come, if if we trust in him, the light that is in him will, will light the way, and we push back the darkness a little bit. And then what we're called to do once we have Christ is to, to share this with others. And so we we go to another person who's living in darkness and we share the light of Christ with them, and they share it with someone else. And soon the world, the darkness that's in the world is being pushed back because there's more light of Christ being shown. And so as we bring our time to a close tonight, we're going to sing uh, together Silent night. We read about that night. And as we think about how the light is being, the darkness being pushed back. Maybe tonight you're thinking about, maybe, and it's not about a candle, 
Maybe I need to trust in Christ and what this candle represents is my life burning for Christ and maybe that you need to make that decision today. And I pray if that's a decision that God wants you to make, you do so before you leave tonight. But let's stand as we get ready to to conclude our time tonight. I pray that you have been encouraged to think through your relationship with Christ, the gift that Christ has given us. And together, let's sing Silent Night as Wade leads us in in that song. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the love you had for us. It is incomprehensible. You did not need us, but you wanted us to be adopted into your family. And so the second person of the Godhead came into the humanity, fully God, fully man, 
to live, die, buried, rose again for our salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life. I pray tonight that would center our thoughts on Christmas and throughout the year. God, if there's someone here who needs you, I pray that they would turn their life over to you before they leave. God, for those of us who know you, we praise you and worship you. Thank you for this time of year. We can really focus in on remembering on this miracle of your birth. We praise you. We, we hope and pray that our worship of you tonight was pleasing to you. And we thank you for the birth of Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You all have a Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to the Staying Connected podcast, the preaching ministry of Pastor Roland Kennison from Rosemont Baptist Church in Montrose, Colorado. We pray the Lord will use this sermon to help you in your life and ministry. If you found this podcast helpful, would you consider contributing to our ministry? You can give online at www.rosemontbaptist.org forward slash give. If you live in Western Colorado or you're visiting the area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning. Our services start at 1045 a.m. You can also watch our worship service live through our website at rosemontbaptist.org. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.